Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. Today, we are starting our three-week journey through Our Worlds at War. And uh, Vince is going to be captaining the ship today. So, Vince, take it away. All right. So, first, we'll start off with the uh, regular question we always ask. How familiar were you guys with this event uh, before reading it for the show tonight? Uh, Zach, let's start with you. Uh, I was familiar enough that I bought a trade paperback of it that I maybe read two or three issues of and then never touched again, (laughs) eventually to sell it to half price books. Uh, I had read the JSA issue as part of my JSA read through, and I was vaguely aware that this was an event, but I I was not familiar with this event at all. How about you, Vincey? Uh, Yeah, I read, you know, only what I would have needed to read for like Wonder Woman when I was doing the Wonder Woman read through. So nothing. Um, Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nothing. Um, And the other thing about it is that, like, I am not really – this is, like, this is, like, kind of just before I started getting into reading – keeping up with monthly comics, um, having a pull list, ordering online, stuff like that. So – the, the general status quo of, of what was going on at DC right now in this particular time period is just very elusive to me. Like I was reading these books and I'm like, this is wild. <laughs> not in the good, not in the good or bad way. Just like, I don't recognize so much of this, you know, we were talking about this. I think it was last time how like between DC one million and identity crisis is this like weird wasteland of DC crossovers and stuff and i feel like i've heard a lot of people talk about specific runs from this era like joe casey's superman stuff i've heard a lot about um but i i feel like like you said vince some of this stuff was just wholly unfamiliar to me yeah 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 and then um people never talk about this event either you know like this is this is never brought up and i don't know what like it remains to be seen as as we go along whether it's a good or a bad event or somewhere in between but you just never hear anybody reference it well so on that note i feel like i can't tell you if this is good or bad yet and i feel like more importantly i can't even really tell you what this event is yet yeah like that's right we we read was it 11 issues I think it was 11 issues, yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like the Superman titles were telling a story I understood how it all connected. <laughs> I don't know how, like, any of the other – even the books that are not, like, Wonder Woman issue whatever, but, like, Young Justice, Our World's at War. I still don't really know how that connects to the Superman story that we're getting in the Super Books. Yeah. Um, so it's really it, because I feel like that was the one that made the most sense. Well, I, I, I actually to everything else. I, I spoke I spoke incorrectly there. That one is like the Green Lantern. Our world's at war. Let's say like the, that one. Yes, the green. That one yeah, has that one, one particular. More... That is one particular thing, like with the, the Pluto mm-hmm. stuff, right? Which we'll get to in a yeah. minute. But like some of these other books, I just I don't know. And also, this seems like this is the era when 
tie-ins became sort of mandatory. And there's one example I know we're going to talk to where it just seems like the most editorially driven thing in the world, and it's also unreadable drivel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get to that. I imagine we know what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because um, the way DC Universe divides this up conveniently for us into three groups this is kind of like the prelude to war section and it it just feels so disparate and everything is kind of i I felt like every issue was just sort of working to tie up any current loose ends into the beginnings of this event um and it it did not always work (laughs) right um but off the top one of the things that i think is like the most interesting about this crossover in this era in particular is the art style kind of like Mm -hmm. the house style of dc at this time where you've got people like ed mcginnis and mike Mike Ringo, ringo um who had this like very muscular cartoony style that i i adore like i to this day think that like the ed mcginnis superman is one of the best superman Uh um it's just very good to me very wholesome um just those fists that are like the size of (laughs) basketballs yeah i love humongous chin big jay leno chin yeah i love it i think it looks so good and um we we do get a bit of that and some of the other artists that uh we see throughout these issues kind of uh you know fit that style a little bit as well i think um i think wasn't the superboy issue drawn by carlo or carlos barberi carlo barberi yeah, yeah. i was carlo gonna say barberi, yeah. one of my notes uh with this week was how many current artists we saw in, in this first batch Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. people and people who I feel like were not super established then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought that up, Zach. My notes my notes are just full of like oh, I I love this art. I love this art, you know, like even even if the book sucks, like <laughs> yeah. at, least, at least the art was like well again, well, like the Superboy issue, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. Um but uh, but yeah, the, and then the only other note I wanted to bring up before we get started here, uh, diving into the books, is I was I, I was surprised to find that, and I guess it makes sense, that this was a pre nine eleven event, oh. <laughs> and I thought about that while reading this, and I just thought like, n- not that this makes too many specific gestures, at least not yet, to like. Um, realistic crises or like you know wars between nations or anything i mean it does make some gestures towards that but like there's also a fictional state called polakistan i I was gonna say (laughs) a a really insultingly fake middle eastern country yeah 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 yeah. Uh. but it's funny because if like after 9-11 happened remember how many like um obviously later there was a, a lot of like jingoism and and a lot of rah-rah like militarization of entertainment superheroes definitely but it, it makes me wonder since this was so close to 9-11 like the the event did not end 
before 9-11 happened. It was kind of going on concurrently. It makes me think, like, did anything change or would anything have changed? I feel like it couldn't have because the, the work probably would have been done. I feel like um, it, would have, it would have leaned even more into the shitty jingoism that is implied by a fake Stan name. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, like, in the immediate aftermath, they were just being careful with, like, like, I feel like entertainment media was being careful with what they depicted. Not like, I'm not saying they weren't, like, patriotic and, and jingoistic or whatever, but, like, you know, I, I feel like depictions of violence or terror were kind of dampened in just the, the very short-term immediate aftermath due to, like, sensitivity issues. I could be misremembering this. I mean, are you talking about all the uh, all the wonderful songs that were banned from the radio after nine eleven? Yes, yes. Oh, that's there's a great podcast. Uh, yeah, but still, um, that like went through the list and talked about all the songs that were banned around that time from Clear Channel or whatever. <laughs> can, it was. can I just give you a couple here? I have yeah, the list pulled absolutely, up. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we got some of them are wild. We got Bobby Darren's Mac the Knife. Of course, yeah. Can't have a knife. Uh, Cat Stevens' Peace Train. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I uh, know. Elton John's Benny and the Jets. I guess because yeah. Jets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Green Day's Brain Stew. <laughs> Anything that vaguely. See, that's uh, okay, what I'm wait, talking wait, about. Wait, that's wait, exactly wait. what I'm talking about. S- strap in, motherfuckers. The theme from St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> uh, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, yep. uh, let's see. Uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary's Blowing in the Wind. Yeah, you can't can't blow anything. Yeah, and, and let's, let's just do one more for good measure here. Let's, see, let's, try, let's try to find the best one on this list. Um <laughs> okay uh van halen's dancing in the street which i have to imagine was banned because of that fake report of muslims dancing in jersey city oh my God. which is just like the most which trump claims he saw by the way oh yeah um, of course yeah, but yeah, yeah okay anyway so <laughs> anyway sorry for that brief detour into that clear channel list but yeah but that's good. That was the point I was trying to make. Like, not that not that they would shy away from the jingoism. Obviously not. But like, you know, you know, just the sensitivity around certain words and certain like like calling something "our worlds at war," like in the prelude to the endless war that that right that came out of all of that. You know, like it just did it. It it, it was funny timing. I thought. Um, okay, so let's get started. Um, we're not going to go by page by page through any of these. I'm just going to kind of give a brief, um, you know, maybe four or five line description of each issue, and we'll talk about them. Um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to highlight the things that I tried to tease out were probably about our worlds at war versus whatever was going on in the t- like the Wonder Woman book, for example. The first half of that is like stuff that's strictly going on in the Wonder Woman book versus anything to do with our worlds at war. So I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards the event here, but if you guys think I missed anything that you want to just pipe in at any time sure. and help me out. Um, okay. So we're going to start with Superman 171 <laughs> written by ugh, Jeff Loeb. 
and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm adjusting my tie right now. There's a, there's a discourse going on. <laughs> Right this, uh, this event is particularly timely for us to talk about, considering some of the creators <laughs> yes. that are involved oh, in this. There's the murderer's row in this thing. <laughs> um, and art by the aforementioned Ed McGinnis. Um, so the, the cover teases Superman versus the Fatal Five. And it's this new Fatal Five that it takes place. Uh, Superman is drawn to where Pluto should be, but Pluto has instead been replaced apparently by war world and there he fights the fatal five uh therak persuader emerald empress mano and validus who i'm barely familiar with any of them i think they're legion villains mostly they are yes they are. and that makes sense because this is like a it's supposed to be like a a, a construct team made by a future brainiac so you find out later in the issue that brainiac 13 um, who looks like a Mega Man villain in this. I love, Zach, you brought up the art. I love the art in this issue in particular. <laughs> I love how he looks like a Mega... He, he looks like he was made by Dr. Wily. <laughs> um, it's just amazing I get that work. reference. Hey, hey! We got a gamer here, folks. Um, oh, man. And uh, uh, We should, we should uh, follow this up with a Proto-Man podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, want, yeah. I wanted to say really quick about the Brainiac thing. Just that I think this this Brainiac like spun out of the like Y2K Superman story that I've always been fascinated to read, but I've never like taken the time to track down a reading order. But man, comics turn to the turn of the century were wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really don't know anything about this era. I have no idea what you're talking about with the Y2K. <laughs> someday i'm sure i'll find out but um so we find out that brainiac 13 is is working together with uh lena luthor um and this is interesting because in this uh era of dc comics lex luthor is the president right now um so that's kind of a line that runs through a lot of these issues i imagine that's going to play a huge part in our worlds at war um so yeah anyway um war worlds self-destructs at some point and superman narrowly escapes blah 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 it was all a dis- apparently it was all a distraction to draw superman away or something like that and that's basically where the issue leaves um but i think the so that doesn't really that like brainiac 13 is probably going to be i don't know if he's the main villain of this thing but he's a villain that's certainly going to run through this thing that's basically how it kicks off our worlds at work we still don't know yet what that means or what his role is yeah yes megatron ass that's right yes that's what he looks like um uh but the the, the big story for me here is really the ed mcginnis art um, I just love the way he draws Superman here. Zach, you talked about it already, but like all the design work is so great and the action is just so bombastic. Everybody is muscular, um, but like in a in a cartoony way, not in like a veiny weird way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. it's not like it's not like nineties image. It's like To me, he looks like if the Max Fleischer cartoon Superman came to comics. And, like, they weren't trying to keep him looking like he was from the 30s, but, like, 
kind of up like use that as the template but updated him that's what you, this is what you get yeah yes that's very good i love that idea actually that like yeah, because like back then he was the picture of what a what a strong man or a bodybuilder at a circus or wherever would look like, and yeah. then like this is your like uh, post pumping iron, you know, version of right. version of version of the character. I like that. Um, anything else you got? You guys want to pipe in about? Sure, issue. sure, yeah. I felt that this was a good introduction to what I thought the event was going to be. Right, I, yeah. It, it, it remains to be seen if this was actually a good introduction or not, but it, it it theoretically is a good introduction to what this event's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, that, like, it, it really, like, I, I, when I read this, I was like, okay, I know what the premise is going to be. I'm in. And then the more you read the other tie-ins, you're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Which I think we'll we'll probably get to, but... Zach, you got anything before we move on? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, I enjoyed this issue for what it was. And then as we read on, I, I kind of like you guys was like, well, wait, what what was that? Did that matter? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, Green Lantern, Our World's at War, number one is the next issue. Uh, written by Judd Winnick. It's a name I have not heard in quite some time. Um, and art from Dale Eaglesham. So there's another like big name these days, right? I, I think I don't know how big he was back then, uh, 2001. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of names that like I have fond memories of throughout this, um, which is interesting. Um, so okay, so this issue is centered on Kyle and uh, the issue opens with some sexy time between him and Jade. I wanted to ask Brian if, if Jed Winnick's Green Lantern run is this horny all the time. Um, it's, it's not, not this horny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this, this period of Green Lantern, I feel like, I feel like Ron Mars spent a lot of time, like there was definitely a lot of romance in that book, but I feel like it was all very, um, very chaste romance, and I feel like Judd Winnick came in and just tried to have green titties drawn on every page. <laughs> um, I mean, this is there is some like, some grossly sexualized images in this issue of Jade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of like steam just barely covering yeah parts. Very like. Uh, very like censored anime style yes. um, type stuff. Um, yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, the nineties were known for like the, the witch blade, like busty um, exploitation type uh, female characters. And I, and I feel like the, you know, uh, the, the longer, this goes on the less and less we see of that but like the 2000s were definitely still ripe with that stuff for sure um and you know you could you could say there's some uh equal opportunity being dealt with here because there's there's quite a bit of nearly nude kyle right in this but it's not you it's not the same you know we all know it's not the same um so anyway this is weird because like kyle 
gets alerted to this this uh, disappearance of Pluto problem from the previous issue that we talked about, and he spends half the issue uh, creating a new Pluto, which I didn't know is something that a Green Lantern could do. I guess. Well, so what? Because <laughs> he he's did... like roping. To, he's roping together asteroids. Yes, and then I guess he like creates heat or whatever and yeah. like melds them together so the one thing i did want to say about judd winnick's run on green lantern was that this is what led up to kyle becoming ion and so you see him becoming more and more uh powerful as it goes on like there's a scene i distinctly remember where he is in a coffee shop with it's either alan scott or john stewart and he's saying like you know my powers are getting beyond a point where I can un- even understand them. And they're like, what do you mean? And then right then a waitress comes over, is like, more coffee? And he says, yes, thank you. And they each take a sip of this coffee. And then he says, like, I just created that person and this coffee, and you had no idea. Like, my powers are that's getting wacky. to it. Yeah, it, 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 it was, it's pretty fun, actually. That's that's one of the best elements that Winnick did during his run, which is that he just, like, they kept ramping up the intensity of Kyle's powers. And all of that stuff I felt I found good in this issue. Like it wasn't necessarily good for this event, yeah. but I but I liked the conversations that he was having about what he could do with his ring now. Yeah, that that so that comes at the end. Uh, he's back in the apartment with Jade, and he's displaying all these new powers he didn't have before. Um, stuff like he can read a book from across the room just by feeding the pages into his mind. He says uh, he can create duplicates of himself. Um, and yeah, that that stuff has probably nothing to do with our worlds at war, but but as you're saying, it's it's continuing Kyle's story, um, which yeah, I, I like that stuff. That is probably the best stuff in this issue. The the stuff where he's wrangling asteroids together dressed as a cowboy is just nonsense. <laughs> um, and then he <laughs> okay, we gotta talk about this. He comes across Sinestro who I believe at this point in time is supposed to be dead. Yes. Um, and also Superman, who's trying to stop him from rebuilding Pluto or doing whatever he's doing. And you find out that both of these are light constructs created, just like the Fatal Five from the Superman issue before. <laughs> and I have to say, like, the laziest shit in comics, and it's still done to this day, is when like a, a hero comes across a, a villain or even another hero that's not acting properly. And it turns out they were just a quote unquote light construct <laughs> when like, okay, but then how are they acting like with their complete free will and doing all the stuff that they would, you know, you know what I mean? That is such a lazy, like dodge for a writer. Yes. Like, I don't understand. Like, okay. So I guess, I guess uh, there's people out there that can make even more sophisticated constructs than the Green Lanterns can, even though that's their thing. Right. It's yeah. It's 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 insane to it's, me. It's also funny though because um, I feel like this was just a a story trope in the late '90s. For sure. This era, like Morrison does the exact same thing in his JLA run. There's like this whole arc that is kind of like predicated on these hard light constructs and and like no one ever recognizes that it's a hard light construct it's yeah. like what they is both... they're just bamboozled by it every time they can't tell 
they must just be like perfect. Yeah, it's it. They make like perfect duplicates of that that act and think of their own free will. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it never makes any sense, but you know it's comics, so you go with it. Um, and then eventually Ganthet shows up and basically tells Kyle that a war is coming and that <laughs> you, don't do it. Sorry, can I say one thing about Ganthet first? Yeah. Yeah, Ganth yeah, yeah. dressed like Roddy Dangerfield, like his tie is like slightly undone. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, Kyle, you gotta do something about this." Like, but that, that was the Dio. I know, just then. I know we don't get no respect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was trying to do, I was trying to do Dangerfield did the Dio, but go back and look at him. Like his hair is disheveled, and he's wearing a tie that's like slightly askew. He's he's very much Roddy Dangerfield here. <laughs> that's good. I wish I could think of a of a classic Dangerfield yeah. joke off the top of my head. All I'm thinking of are. Uh, Caddyshack lines. <laughs> I was like, uh, fuck, what's the name of the doctor? Hey, Kyle, I bet you did a free bowl of soup when you buy that hat. <laughs> Kyle, you should go to my doctor, Dr. Vinny Boombat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um, yeah, so Ganthet shows up, and he's basically like, um, yeah, there's a war coming, but but please don't do anything about it right now. Please just go home, um, have sex with your girlfriend again, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Uh, and and uh, yeah, so again, we still don't know what the war is or what that means, but um, that's that's kind of where we leave that one. Anything else about Green Lantern? Our world's at war here. Not particularly, no. No. All right, so then we're moving on to Adventures of Super. There's an interesting structure to this event where, like, it seems to be one issue of an ongoing and then one of these one-shots. Yes. So the previous one was a Green Lantern one-shot for Our Worlds at War, and now we've got Adventures of Superman number 593. Uh, Written by Joe Casey, art from the great departed Mike Waringo. God, I love Um, Waringo's art. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And it it really does fit right alongside Ed McGinnis, like his Superman yep. is, you know, they don't look exactly, they're, they're each of their own style, but they are very much the same sort of like, I mean this, I mean this kindly, but like lumpy muscular <laughs> characters, you yeah. know, for sure. Like exaggerated De- cartoony. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. And we'll get to the other Superman artists in these books too. And, I can't remember the fourth one, but one of them is, is is Doug Monkey, and I feel like he matches this pretty well too. He like fits in with these two, maybe not quite as well, but he he's a good match for them as well. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. When I think of Monkey now, I think of like hyper detailed, very like grisly. But yes. in this event, he he kind of marries the two styles, and I don't know if that just was his earlier style, or if he was purposefully kind of going for that a little bit. Um, yeah, that's a good point that you make about that. Um, okay, so in this one, this one uh, is Lois Lane investigating a uh, prison breakout that took place during a, a strange series of prison transfers that were apparently signed off on by her father, Sam Lane. So she's investigating that questioning her dad about it uh he's being dodgy talking again talking about a war that's coming we don't get too many details about that uh meanwhile superman 
is fighting uh, Shrapnel, this big, like, uh, goofy robot character made of scrap metal, um, who who he, like, pretty much easily defeats, but then uh, Shrapnel gets, like, powered up by this mysterious figure and then comes back, and it's a tougher fight. And you find out later that Manchester Black, who... who um, Zach, this is this is Zach Knapp, right? Yes, it like, is. <laughs> yeah, it is. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, um, Manchester Black shows up, telling Superman that he and these other vil- uh, villains, like Shrapnel, Plasmus, shows up to Chemo. They are all serving in part of a new Suicide Squad that's being overseen by Waller and Lex Luthor, kind of as president. So, um, again, in pr- in preparation for whatever is coming. Um, so it was interesting to see Manchester black. He was a joke. Like Joe Casey, that was a Joe Casey story, right? The, um, uh, uh, uh I think it was actually maybe Joe. It might've been Casey and Kelly. Let me, Casey let me check. Uh, just one second. This also, um, I, let me just add another in here. This uh, issue sees a lot of what DC was also doing at the time, which is trying to make a lot of stuff as close to the real world as possible, but not... Like, for instance, this isn't called Alcatraz. It's called... um, Shit, what's the name of the prison here? Striker's Island? So Sorry, sorry, it's not Riker's Island, it's Striker's Island. Island. Sorry, I knew it was a pun on a, a famous prison. Like, there was a lot in this period where I feel like they were trying to remind you that this is almost the real world yeah even though the comics themselves don't represent that at all (laughs) um it it was joe kelly oh it was joe kelly i i get those two mixed up all the time even though like even though they're not the same uh style yeah yeah but um the name yeah but it was it was only a few months prior um he had only been around for a few months at this point this might have been his like next appearance. Wow, could be. I like him in this role too. I, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think he's really when he shows up in this issue, it kind of gets kicked into another gear. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like him. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see where where he goes in and throughout this event. Um. And yeah, that Mike Ringo art, the fight with. He turns the fight with uh, Shrapnel, which is just like it would so easily just be a f- fight of Superman against some jobber, you know, yep. mm-hmm. but he just makes it so cartoony and fun. And the way that like um, he like blasts pieces of scrap metal at Superman and sends him flying, just like so delightful and, and not not grim at all, just like hard hitting, but in a fun way. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The Waringo art is the star here. But this also felt like it was somewhat... Like, maybe this didn't feel totally simpatico with the Superman issue that started the event. But it, you, you could definitely see it all building together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, at this point I'm going, okay, I see what... I see what's going on here. I'm, I'm following the threads. It's it's making sense. And, have you guys noticed when we do these these weeks where it's like 10 or plus issues 
that it always seems to run out of steam like halfway through. <laughs> and I wonder if that's just like that's the amount of comics a human should read in one sitting <laughs> or like from right. one event yeah. or if it's or if it's uh, actually, you know, what's happening in front of us. There probably is something to be said about, you know, the popularity of the five to six issue trade um, mm -hmm. as what is reasonable for a human to read in a sitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I also I also do think that we haven't gotten to the issues that are truly heinous yet. So. No, we haven't. No, that's true. <laughs> no. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so there is that. Sure. All right. Should we move on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now we've got Batman, Our World's at War, number one, written by Ed Brubaker, art from Stefano Guadiano. Um, and this one is, this issue is fine, but it's, I, I feel like it's overly long. Basically what it is, is it's, it's Bruce Wayne doing some classic, like, shoe leather detective work where he's going from place to place and whether he needs to be, whether he needs to be Batman or he needs to be Bruce, he's or matches Malone or matches Malone. <laughs> that recalls a funny uh, moment from this week's real time comics where he's holding his rubbery matches Malone face. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, it's basically Bruce going around gathering Intel on uh, a construction site blows up at the beginning of the issue. And from there, the ball gets rolling as far as like getting information, solving the mystery of, of what this was. Um, it takes him to talk to president Luthor at a party where Lex makes this weird foreboding speech about the war that's coming. And um, yeah, it's a very like, like strap in. We need you to be on our side type of a rallying but a very creepy creepy rallying speech uh several of the party guests are are very put off by this um at one point bruce drugs a guy <laughs> with truth serum yep which i feel like um yeah i don't know that that i don't know that does bruce do that that kind of crosses a crosses a bit of a line but whatever I mean, you're um, the, you're the guy who thinks that Bruce has never like stepped on an ant as he's walking around. So he's I, he's an angel, you know. So I guess this would be a step too far for your Bruce. <laughs> My Bruce is a perfect, perfect gentleman. Um, he would never give anyone a forget me now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Bruce eventually discovers that there was an alien that was found at the explosion site. And this is where, like, this is where I'm going, okay, like, what is, where are we going with this? You know, is this going to be another invasion or what? So he, um, he uncovers, he and Oracle, I like Barbara, Barbara's in this as Oracle playing a role in the, the data analysis. Uh, she comes across something called the Metropolis Project, um, also something referred to as the Doomsday Contingency. Both of these seem like shadowy government uh, initiatives or something that uh, Bruce is going to try to get to the bottom of. And it ends with Bruce at the Daily Planet at, asking Clark if he knows anything about the Doomsday Contingency. So this one I just, it was fine. Um, the art wasn't as exciting. It was just, it, in your classic Brubaker style, it was just this like, um, slow burn detective story 
which I, I felt was a little too long for my taste. But uh, what did you guys think? Zach, why don't you go ahead? It was long. It was very long. Um, you know, all of these Our World at War issues are kind of the annual size of like 35 to 40 pages. I didn't particularly love the art. Um, it was fine. It just wasn't my favorite. Ultimately, I kind of think that this was far from the worst issue that we read this week, but I think it was arguably among the most forgettable because even the even the bad issues were a bit more memorable from a plot standpoint. I, I would say there's only one other issue that comes to mind as that that's as forgettable as this one and also much less consequential. So it, this one at least was important for moving the plot along in s some in particular ways. You know, it gets referenced a few times. The events of this issue get referenced a few times over the, the next few issues. So it, it played its part, um, but I, uh, I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, Adam Sandler, I disagree. GIF, right here. Um, <laughs> on, I, on which part? I really enjoyed this issue. I thought this was a really good issue. I, yes, it was a little bit long, but I feel like I love Detective Batman. I love when Batman is is doing the legwork to solve a crime, and I feel like this was a. I mean, Brew Baker is so good at that, right? That is that is like the Brew Baker wheelhouse. And I feel like we've been getting, in modern Batman comics, so little actual detective Batman stuff that this was like a, a nice warm blanket for me. I just wrapped myself in it and enjoyed it. I thought the art was, was fun. I I really enjoyed this issue. This this might be one of my favorite issues of the first batch. Mm. I, I will say I, I said I didn't like the art too much, except for the rep the 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 artist uh, depiction of Batman, which was like very um, almost like David Mazzuchelli a little bit. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, which I I liked a lot. Um, but otherwise, I think my point still stands. This is like very much a Superman event, and when when but when Batman butts in, which it looks like will happen a few times over the the course of this, I just I'm like. Meh. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> NZ, to me, I feel like we see Superman in this event doing classic Superman things, and we see Batman doing classic Batman things, and it shows why they're like peanut butter and jelly. They're just, they're perfect together. Well, I'm allergic to peanut butter, so. I am very sorry. You're missing out on some of life's great treats. Well, I eat almond butter, which I guess is. Um, Not as good, but. Yeah, it's no, uh, it's very good. It's very good, and I'm trying to think of what the DC comics. If Batman is peanut butter, who's almond butter? Asriel. <laughs> okay. Yes, I will read Asriel comics all day. <laughs> One day, the the almond butter era will be looked back on for people being shocked it lasted as long as it did. A <laughs> hundred no, jars man. of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. no, Peanut allergies are on the rise. Yeah. One day, the entire population is going to be allergic to peanuts, and there will be no more peanut butter. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's all a government conspiracy. My kind are rising up. So. No. <laughs> that, that will be after we all uh, meet our maker in Anaheim by our own hands. 
so <laughs> that's an inside ball ball game right there. That's a well, joke you, over YouTube again. So this this issue predicts, or not this issue, but this event predicts the end of the destruction of Earth in 2020. So shit. Yeah. Oh shit. We'll talk about that when we get to Young Justice. Yeah, we will. <laughs> um okay next up is superman man of steel number 115 this is written by mark schultz art from the aforementioned doug monkey um this issue is immediately buck wild like i don't know how we this must have been something going on in man of steel because i don't know how we got to hear from there from the last time we saw superman um but the people of uh metropolis have been abducted and put in uh some sort of alien techno prison camp of some type (laughs) and uh yeah that's just how the issue starts and i feel um, like i feel like events of this era occasionally would have an issue end at like 11 14 a.m and the next one would start at 11 15 a.m and the issue after that was start nine months later with no explanation. Like there's just there are these <laughs> wild jumps in time that happen, and this is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and uh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna, I was just gonna say, this might be my favorite issue we read this week. It was good. I liked it. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying I didn't like it. It was it was just it was just weird that all of a sudden we're here. Yeah. It, it it was a little disorienting, but as, as especially just as an issue that stands on its own, it w- was a lot of fun, and the reveal at the end was oh, the end is great, very good. Um, it also has a really it, fun cast of characters. Yes, mm-hmm. I was gonna say that. Yeah, definitely does. the The team that shows up um, is is very fun and very good. Yeah. So. Um... Basically, uh, the issue concerns Superman sneaking around this like alien prison or or, or ship or whatever it is, and uh, you know knocking guards out to get his way around. But then he then he gets caught, and uh, he comes across a team made up of tell me if I forget anybody: Maxima, Massacre, Graven, Mongol, not Mongol, Mongol. Mongal. Mongal. <laughs> um, Starfire and Adam Strange. Um, which, yeah, is, that's the team you're talking about. Yes. Uh, it's a wild bunch right there. Um, and Big Justice League Odyssey vibes here. Yes. Yes. Yes, very much. Good call. Oh, oh more interesting than, than Justice League Odyssey, though. <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Um, (laughs) uh, they inform Superman that Imperiax is coming and has already destroyed Maxima's planet. So now it's like, well, is Imperiax the real villain of this? And that kind of, that's something that they, I think, purposefully kind of bounce back and forth throughout the next issues. But I believe that this is the first mention of Imperiax so far. Um... And then at the very end of the issue, the the reveal that Zach, do you want to? You you were excited about this. Do you want to say what the reveal was? So it's kind of alluded to that there's a leader for this team of um, 
of extraterrestrial characters. Um, and at the end of the issue, Superman goes back, is beamed back to Metropolis to find uh, Apocalypse just hanging in, in the sky. Um, <laughs> hate when that and, happens. And you hate when it happens. And he says, this is insanity. This means the Alliance's commander can only be Darkseid. <laughs> and it ends with just like this fantastic close-up on Darkseid's face. Um, and he, you know, says something. As close Typically to a shit-eating grin as you can get on Dark Side. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, not um, a nut face. No. It's not, yeah. It's just good. Um, I, the art in this issue is really good. I, it's good Doug Monkey art. Um, kind of, you can see the hints of what his style will become eventually, but it does, like, like I said earlier, fit very closely in line with the McGinnis, Waringo style. Um I really like it. The colors are really good. Um, I think Jose Marzen Jr. is the colorist, on, or he might be the inker. Um, I, I'm trying to check really quickly, but the, the colors are really good. I, I um, Okay, it was just Wildstorm FX, colors and seps. <laughs> um, so thank you, Wildstorm FX. You did a good job on this issue. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I thought that this one was really fun. I thought the bit with Lois kind of acting as a mediator between the citizens and the aliens was, that was good. Um, a lot, a lot of good bits in this issue. My favorite bit, and I forget what the, what the exact wording is, is like the word, the phrase that Superman says to say to Lois to let her oh. know. Is it like beef bourguignon or something? It's like a it's yeah. like a food yeah, that's it. reference, yeah. right? I fucking love that shit. That is that is great Superman writing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now... Anything else? <laughs> What's that? Oh, I was just gonna say the the last spark of hope before we move on oh yeah maybe we should maybe we should take a break before we yeah this seems like a great place to take a break (laughs) so we'll be back in just a minute with a further discussion of part one of our world hello everybody my name is mike and i'm greg and together we are robots from tomorrow a twice weekly podcast appearing at multiversitycomics.com each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on wednesday that are worth your attention and each month we dissect the previous catalog we also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like dan Klaus' ghost world and jack kirby and mike royer's commanding and if that's not enough we also do creator interviews some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature mike mignola leila del duca sean martin bro emma Beebe, and greg rucka so that's a lot of content for everybody please subscribe to robots from tomorrow and itunes or stitcher so you never miss a thing robots from tomorrow has hours of comic focused entertainment week in and week out and now back to your show and we are back with our uh, part two of our part one, our Worlds at War discussion, and it's about to get interesting, folks. <laughs> so, Vincey, take it away. Shit Sandwich, number 89. <laughs> it's uh, Superboy, written by Joe Kelly and Eddie, <laughs> Eddie Braganza. Eddie Braganza. <laughs> Why is a serial molester working in DC Comics? (laughs) Why? Because there's no balls in the world anymore. (laughs) Yeah. um, 
is it is it any coincidence that this is probably the worst issue so far? Probably. Unquestionably. Definitely. Unquestionably. Impenetrable is yes. what yes. this issue is. I, I will uh, say, I will say there was one line that made me laugh out loud, but I don't think I'm laughing for the reason it was written. Uh, which was Superboy tells somebody bread helps fat boys heal. <laughs> Is that the corollary to Scott Pilgrim saying bread makes you fat? Exactly, yes. Or, that, no, it was Ramona Flowers. Ramona Flowers says yeah. bread makes you fat, yes. Um, but also, I will say, bread is dope. So, just, Bre- just, oh, just saying. I wish I could have bread right now. <laughs> um, could you bake your own bread on your health plan? No, no. Okay. Can't have bread. I'm sorry. Um, that's all right. Um the the saving grace of this issue, if there is any at all, it's I only feel, twenty pages. <laughs> is yeah, it's only twenty pages, and Carlo Barberi's art, I I don't think it's as good as the Carlo Barberi that we know today, which is of the same cartoony, almost manga esque style, but a little more refined these days. But I it I have to say it got me through this issue, like. I was just hanging on to this cartoony art to get through this bad boy. Because, as you said, Zach, this is impenetrable. I don't even know if I can explain what went on. Um, there's, there's a, again, again, nothing about the DCU is recognizable in this era to me quite yet. So there's like a teenage version of the Jim Harper Guardian who was a baby but he's like a fast aging baby, like um, like Alexander Luther from uh, Crisis. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's a he's a Clone Wars clone. He's a Clone Wars yes. clone. Like yes. yeah, Superboy leaves the room, comes back, and he's a little older, basically. Um, Oracle lets uh, Superboy in about this Metropolis project from that previous Batman issue um, that we talked about. And this sets Superboy off to heading towards LexCorp, but he's got to go through the sewer so he doesn't get caught or something, I guess. Um, where the the one legitimate fun part of the issue that I liked, that I want to see DC utilize again, is that he's attacked by Tofu Men. <laughs> I want to see the Tofu Men again. Bring them back. Uh, I don't. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want tofu guys made of tofu. Well, here's the thing: they're you not mean, you made mean of soy boys. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, <laughs> I can't even get up my fucking thought. Which is like they're not oh, even. We are the tofu. Men. <laughs> uh, they're not even really made of tofu. It's just like it to me. This is just like. Berganza, and I'm, I'll put this purely at this feet of Berganza, just like making fun of vegetarians by calling these tofu men. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But they need to come back as actual tofu men that like midnighter fights or something because he's a foodie. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Okay. You know. Oh, here, yeah. I, I, guys, I'm gonna pitch this. The tofu men absorb whatever powers they're next to. So, like, because tofu absorbs oh. the flavor you cook it in. So, like, if they're next to Superman, they become Superman powerful. You're a goddamn genius. They should – DC needs to hire us. Yeah. Tofu <laughs> men ongoing, 100 issues. Make it happen. <laughs> um, all right. So, 
so uh, Superboy's in the sewer. He comes across Heatwave and Serling. I don't. I don't really. I don't know who Serling is. Not familiar. Either of you know who Serling is? Mm-mm, I know no. Rod Serling. Yep. Um, the ferryman who's in this for some reason. I don't know why he's in the sewers under under LexCorp. That Eight. section. Oh my word. What the <laughs> fuck did I read there? What? Go off. Go off. Zay. It's so just, bad. It's awful. It's just gratuitous. I I don't like. I don't know why. I I hope that that can be laid at the feet of Briganza and not Kelly, but, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was. Um. So anyway, they they infiltrate LexCorp eventually. Um. They find a blue Superman, like an electric blue Superwoman, being the strange visitor. Yeah, the strange visitor, which again, like, I googled it, so I get it now, but like, did not, did not know about this at all. <laughs> um, or if I did, like, I memory hold it a long time ago. Um, who is that? Is that literally their name? Strange visitor? Is that what they call? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> um, anyway, you find you find out uh, Talia is also working for Lex at this point, um, and the end of the issue is just incomprehensible. Where like Superboy, uh, they, the 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 group takes on some guards. T- well, Talia leaves, then Talia comes back, kidnaps Superboy, and. Somebody named General the General Good is gonna be holding Superboy as a military prisoner. Um and that's that's where this is all left out. Did I forget anything that is meaningful in any way no. out of this garbage? No. It just seems like there's way like if, if this is meant to be this is like one of the worst kinds of tie-ins that I hate to read because like if this is meant to be in our worlds at war tie-in you can barely figure out why there. I mean, maybe because Talia is working for Lex and they're doing, you know, these like covert experiments, but really there's just, there's just too much. That's not uh, about our worlds at war stuffed into this for it to really be a decent tie in. I mean, I think there's too much stuffed in regardless. There's yeah. A, oh it, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah. And yeah. I, I have to say it does like, Maybe hindsight is twenty twenty, but it reeks of Berganza and like the tight like think about the worst aspects of the new fifty two, let's say. Like, this is this is a new fifty two issue of a comic. Well, the other thing I'll say about this is that the next issue we're gonna read also has Connor Kent in it. But they are two vastly different characters that have almost no uh connective tissue between the two of them. So this this seems like it's both a bad comic and a bad comic in an event and a bad comic in a shared universe. Yeah. It's a bad comic. Yeah. With some with some fun playful art occasionally. Yeah. Um but even that is like not not yet prime barbary. Um Okay. So the less said about that, the better, I think. Unless you guys have anything to add yet. Mm-mm. Nah. No. Okay. 
All right. Oh, this is going to be a doozy. You guys might have to help me out with this one, just keeping track of everything here. Um, Young Justice, Our World's at War, number one, uh, written by Abnett and Lanning, who at this point in time are like, they're they're like uh, the event, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, like they come, they're, they, they're game for anything, I feel. Like they they'll just be in any event and write you a tie-in if you need one. Usually a pretty good tie-in. Usually a pretty good tie-in. And, and why are you, why are you, why are you saying usually right now, Brian? Because this is a mess. Yeah, this is this is well, this is a mess. Attempting fun though, I will you say know that. What this reminds me of though, Bendis's Young Justice. Young first, the first arc of Bendis's yep. Young Justice. I had the yeah, same 100%. thought. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it makes me wonder if he read this and was like, "I need to do some of this in my." <laughs> Which of all the things, you know, wasn't Peter David was kind of the architect for Young Justice, right? Yes. Yeah. He, he wrote that series, and this is just this is a one-off tie-in issue with a completely different creative team, and yet Bendis went, "Oh, I'm gonna riff on our worlds at war, Young Justice for sure." <laughs> Um, what if what if what if he didn't read any of Peter David's Young Justice and he just <laughs> read this because he was reading Our Worlds at War for Event Leviathan? What if he's like, I'm doing my own Our Worlds at War with Leviathan, and and then he came across this issue and was inspired? I feel like there's a non-zero chance that that could. I happen. I think you may be onto something. <laughs> Um, the art is by Todd Nock, who, um, I feel is like one of the young defining young justice artists. Yes. And, um, and, and somebody who I feel like is when you see his art, if you're familiar with Todd Nock, like he, his art is very easily identifiable and looks pretty much the same in 2020 as it did in 2001. Yeah. Yep, very consistent. Again, very like cartoony and fun. Um, very expressive, very colorful. The colors here from uh, I can't read that because it's like in a weird Tom McCraw, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a, it's a nice looking issue, but you're right, Brian. It's a mess. So in an effort to semi explain it. Um, young Justice, including like a, a, a young Lobo, um, are abducted by the linear men at the beginning of the issue in an attempt to resolve this like temporal conflict that's going on. Um, but on the way to wherever they're headed, uh, Lobo messes around with the temporal compass and sends them to various other points in time and locations. So at one point, they get sent to a version of what appears to be ancient Mexico, but it's got, like, future tech. So there's, like, robots and shit. Um, yeah. There's some flying, uh, some flying almost Hawkman-like creatures. Yep. Yep, there's that. Um, then they get sent to Russia in the future, where they see uh, Brainiac 13 is there. He is fighting against the Great Disruptor, which we find out is Imperiax. Um, but they're using like they're using like drones to fight one another. 
Um, and they basically show up at each of these locations or times realizing that it's not where they're supposed to be and they don't really intervene too much. They just kind of bounce from place to place. Um, they end up in 2020 um, seeing the 2020 versions of themselves fighting the Imperiex drones. Um, they watch the Earth and the Moon get destroyed, I believe, by the Imperiex army. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. Did both of, did both of those blow up in in the course of this? Yeah, because they, they get, get like sucked into a black hole, right? Sucked into black holes. Yeah, that's yeah. In twenty twenty. Um, in tw- in twenty twenty. Thank you. As if as if the year wasn't hard enough to get through. Um, there's also a funny. They mentioned sins of youth, which is a yes. crossover that we skipped. <laughs> um, that it missed us somehow. Um, I know nothing about that. I've recently read that for my uh, Shazam read through. Oh man, is it bad? Not great, Bob. <laughs> um, it's okay, you know. It's it's uh, a bunch of heroes get de-aged. Okay. Oh, yeah. Something got sent to the. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, a bunch of heroes get de-aged, and that's that's kind of the point of it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Okay. I remember there being a fun, like, uh, young Aquaman story. Hmm. But and it's supposed to be Arthur Curry, but like younger. Yes, I forget the the exact machinations of it, but um, a bunch of heroes are 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 de-aged, and I, and I believe like the Young Justice characters. You know, I'm gonna fuck up whatever description I give of it, so um, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. I, I feel like again, this is a period of time where a lot of the um, a lot of the events had a hook to it. Like, what if our heroes are young? What if our heroes are gorillas? <laughs> what if our heroes <laughs> yeah. are a million months in the future? Like, you know, there's just there, all the events are just like a very much uh, based around a tagline, the good ones and the bad ones, which, again, that kind of brings me back to my point about this event, which is that I still don't know the tagline 11 issues in. Yeah, this yeah. is also around like the amalgam era, too, when oh, that man. happened. Yes. Our heroes are messed up. Um they yeah. they were just throwing a lot of shit at the wall, I guess. Yeah. Um, before identity crisis would come and change the tone of everything forever. <laughs> I will um, say the one thing that kind of surprised me about this issue is when they go uh, to the future and they're they're with the Legion. Yeah. Seeing Monel dressed as Superboy, I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Zach, yep. is that a, is that a is that a common Legion thing? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I've never seen that before. But that, this is also like an era of Legion that I'm not super familiar with. This like the post-zero hour Legion. Um, not something I know a whole lot about. Yeah, so then uh, so then eventually they meet up with uh, Wave Rider who explains that um, Brainiac 13 is fighting Imperiex across all these different time periods that's what they're seeing um and this is the part where this is the part where i sort of lost track because like young justice has to activate brainiac 13 in the time that they're in right now with wave rider so that 
Brainiac 13 can destroy the Imperiax probe there. And... So the way I read that is that the Brainiac that's at in the future where they are is like he's sending his consciousness out through time and so he can't really do anything and so Superboy or the Young Justice has to activate him to get his consciousness to come back Mm -hmm. to do something. That's kind of how I read it. It still is nonsensical. Um, but that's kind of how I read it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So then, so then basically like this Brainiac 13 wakes up and fights this fights Imperiax or I, I don't know if it's the real Imperiax or if it's one of his probes, but, but anyway, like ends up destroying the Imperiax in this time. And the issue kind of ends with them not being sure if they did the right thing necessarily or not, because uh, in the vision of the future that they saw, Bart was not there. And so they're, they're kind of worried about like what's going to happen to Bart, whether what they did is going to uh, cause that to come to pass. Um, and also one, one thing I'll note is that like throughout this, they seem pretty certain that Imperiax is the true villain. And so they seem like overly certain that what they did basically was the sound decision, which has me thinking that there's going to be some twist down the road because like they make sure to hammer that point several times Yes, that like we, Oh, here we go. Cassie at one point says, Imperiax was clearly the bad guy, <laughs> which makes me think like in the prelude of this event, if you're saying that, um, everything might not be so cut and dry. So, but, but on the whole, like just kind of a confusing issue of a comic. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. Anything, anything else to add on that one? Uh, I it no. was fine. I this this was I think very much like the middle of the road issue for me in a week. It it was not offensively bad, but it it wasn't. It was long and it it was kind of honestly a lot like the Batman issue. It it added a lot of things that seemed important to the story, but um also a lot of stuff that didn't seem important either. So um you yeah, know, mixed bag. And just played out in a way that was, like, overly long. Like, I, I felt like all those different uh, time divergence uh, events were just kind of like a play for time, a play for pages, you know? Well, all of these reek of it would have been so much better if it was 22 pages or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I agree. Clearly, yeah. Okay, moving on to Action Comics 780, written by Joe Kelly, art from Kano. Another um, person we still see today. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of where, though. Not as often. I'm trying to think when the last time we saw them. Did, did, they, go to, did they go to Valiant? Did they do yes. some work at Valiant? Yes, they did. But weren't they on Midnighter? They, no, that was ACO. But didn't, Kano, didn't Kano also do some Midnighter? I don't mm. think so. Um, I could be wrong. 
the most recent thing it looks like Kano did was um, uh, Charles Soule's Swamp Thing mm. in the New 52. That was the most, the most recent, recent, really? DC, most recent DC thing, it looks like. Huh. Uh, I'm double-checking. Looks like they did some Mark Wade Daredevil. Um, they Definitely have done some a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, does, it looks like that was the most recent DC thing was wow. the Swamp Thing. Okay. okay. My apologies. Um. <laughs> okay. I don't understand how this is possible, but Kano illustrated par- at least part of just imagine Stan Lee with Gary Frank creating Shazam. <laughs> like, there's, there's already an artist named in the title. <laughs> okay. Okay. All okay. right. Um, <laughs> it's weird. Okay. Yep. So, uh, Action Comics 780 uh, opens up with Superman mid-fight with a alternate version of Zod, who is basically uh, the Leviathan character that Bendis. <laughs> I'm telling you, Bendis, Bendis used this. Bendis read our worlds at war. Just like Scott Snyder is really influenced by, which one was it? Was it? Uh, the Kingdom. The Kingdom, yeah. The Kingdom, exactly. Oh, this is all This is all a breeding ground for the, what's going on at DC right now. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's kind of a teasery open because that doesn't really happen until a little bit later. The issue flashes back a bit to the JLA confronting Darkseid because remember that we last saw Darkseid descend on Metropolis with um, Apocalypse hanging overhead. Um, And they find out that Darkseid's working with Lex too. Everybody's, all the villains are working with Lex and it's just a matter of the heroes continuing to find this out. Um, And Superman is basically forced to also work along with Lex, basically being told by him and Darkseid that, you know, if you, we're trying to save this planet. If you don't work with us, um, you know, terrible shit's going to happen or whatever. Whatever's coming is going to come to fruition. Uh, I love this page where the JLA is facing Darkseid. That plastic man is insane looking. I, I don't know if you guys are looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, super buff and has long legs. It's like the I, the Tim and Eric sketch where they get high and they... Uh, <laughs> Their legs grow super long, and then they they're like they're like singing as they walk through the city, and they don't realize they're crushing people under their feet <laughs> below. Um, and uh, and Kyle is also compensating for something on on this page, quite a bit, <laughs> with like a barrage of. That's actually that's the mask. That's what that is. Yeah. It's when Jim Carrey pulls out all those guns, when he's when he's smoking. In fact, um, somebody stop him. Somebody stop him, and nobody does. Um, so they they basically send Superman to uh, the aforementioned P- Pakalistan or Pokolistan, Pokemonistan. Pokemonistan. Um, Pokemonistan uh, that we kind of talked about at the top of the show, where apparently Zod, but not the general Zod we know, is the general there. Or the president, or whatever. Um, and it's not the same Zod that we know, but like 
there's there's a is he or isn't he kind of thing that goes back and forth here because he seems to know a lot about Superman and Zod's history together. Um, and yeah, and then basically like they fight in Pokalistan or Berlin, I guess is is yeah they fight in Berlin. They fight in Berlin, yeah. And while they're fighting, a massive uh, explosion, mushroom cloud, happens over Kansas, back in the U.S. Um, poor Kansas. Like lately, Kansas <laughs> can't get a break on our show. Um, the, the Which Zod, can I say like that? Oh, that explosion. That explosion seems like drastically more significant than what we see in later issues. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Like looks like half the planet or like a quarter of the planet is being just decimated. Um, yes. <laughs> like, like there would be no Kansas left. Right. Yeah. But when you see, yeah. In, in the very next issue in the Supergirl issue, it's like, Oh, some cars got destroyed. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the art of the tease, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much I liked this issue. I suppose it was it's a it's a necessary bridge. To me, this it's was the li- weakest. Literally... The, the weakest of the Superman books. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Of the Superman ones, yes. It's literally titled "The End of the Beginning," so so it, this is supposed to be like the the shot heard around the world, I suppose, for whatever our world's at war is going to be. Um, the Zod stuff is very weird. Again, I didn't really know anything about this General Zod. Well, a future issue will attempt to tell you something. Yeah. But will actually tell you nothing. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's a very bizarre... I get the sense... It's weird that this is a very big era for DC, like, having characters killed off but still wanting to use the IP. So, like... Sinestro came back, but he's a hard light construct, you know. There's a General Zod, but it's not the real General Zod, you know. Supergirl was like a mess for the for like, you know, five to ten years here. Um, just made no sense, you know. Yeah. Um, and I like yeah, General Zod. This this version of Zod is just like ephemera lost to history now, <laughs> I guess. Um. I thought the art was solid, but again, like, pretty fitting for, like, the cartoony look that Superman has been getting, but not quite as good as the other previous appearances, I feel. There's something missing. There's, like, a twinkle missing. Yeah. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, Superman, I feel like every Superman issue features a big fight scene in the middle between Superman and like a hulking opponent. Yes. Where, where the artist is just allowed to be like cartoony and bounce two big muscly characters off of one another for a while. Um, as opposed to the other, the other non Superman titles that, that do some other stuff. That's not just pure fight scene. Right. Right. Anything else you guys want to say about that one? Uh, even though that was my least favorite of the Superman books, it's the last of these issues that I gave the slightest shit about. Yeah. 
it's really the last one that matters, honestly. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. In terms yeah. of what we what we're reading this week. That's right. So, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> we'll just end it here. We really no. could. We really could. No, but but we'll 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 trudge on. Uh, we got Supergirl number fifty nine, written by Peter David, art from Leonard Kirk. Another um, guy so, we still see. Another guy we still see. Yeah. Yep. Um, and who I think like his art still pretty much looks like this. I think, as I recall. Um. But anyway, um, this issue uh, is very weird. I'll I'll try to briefly summarize it. Although, can I say not one much... quick thing here, Vinci? Yeah, yeah, go for so it. So yep. I recently had to read some of these issues for the Shazam read through, and uh, so this character that is accompanying Supergirl throughout all of this, he's a demon that like is essentially trying to be John Constantine, but is far yes. less interesting. Um, and they are searching for the Earth Angel Supergirl throughout this series. Mm-hmm. Which we talked about last time, right? Yes. Two times did. ago, yep. maybe? We, we, we yep. talked about that recently. Um, yeah, so that, that's just a little bit of context for the, for the issue. Yeah, so um, this takes place in Kansas post-explosion, and you see uh, Supergirl uh, in the wreckage. She crawls out of the wreckage and Kind of passes out, gets sent to the hospital or whatever. You also see Buzz, the aforementioned uh, demon guy or whatever, um, wandering around looking for her. Um, when Supergirl wakes up in the hospital, she's clearly concussed. There's some like funny, there's a, like a funny bit or two about her being concussed and not quite knowing what's going on. Um, uh, and then she like rushes off because she realizes Ma and Pa could be hurt in the explosion. Um, but along the way, she's like doing Supergirl things like putting out fires and dealing with, uh, there's some riots going on. And so she's trying to deal with that. And, uh, I don't know. We don't really need to talk about, but buzz gets caught up in this like misunderstanding where this woman's getting assaulted. And he, at first he doesn't do anything about it, but then he, his like conscience gets the better of him or something. So he goes back to help and then he gets all mixed up and, and accused of being one of the assaulters. And that's really got nothing to do with our worlds at war. So we don't need to talk about it too much. But um, again, like I had no real reference point for these characters. And really the only tie in this issue has is that it's at the aftermath of that explosion. Well, what was frustrating about this issue is that, Ostensibly, it's about Supergirl trying to check on the Kents, but she never checks on the Kents. She never does. She gets caught up in all this other stuff, and but they but they never really use that as like a they never really come back to that. Right. You know. Yeah, it's kind of a fart in the wind of an issue. Yep. Um, Zach, anything else on that one? No, I was this I think was the one that I was alluding to that um besides the Batman issue that was like the the least that this was the one that was the least just the most meh, the the least engaging, the least consequential um just really really had nothing going for it in terms of like the overall our worlds at war connection um the next issue has a little bit of that, but at least it's 
a little bit more engaging. I don't know. We, we can get to that if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Last thing about Supergirl. I, I found the obvious uh, John Constantine insert just to be so annoying. Like, Oh, yeah, he was unbearable. Um, and really just... I don't know much about this era of Supergirl, but I do not know why she is hanging out with him because he is just horrible. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that I wouldn't care for Peter David's Supergirl run very much. I think you'd be correct. <laughs> From the few issues I've read, I think you'd be correct. Yeah. Okay. So um, moving on to Wonder Woman number 171. Uh, this is written by and partially illustrated by Phil Jimenez uh, and partially illustrated by Travis Moore, which I had no idea Travis Moore was, if this is indeed the same Travis Moore, which I think it's got to be, uh, I had no idea he was drawing comics back then. Um, even though I, I I read this issue as part of my Wonder Woman run, but but back then I wouldn't have had a reference for Travis Moore. And so, like, I was surprised to find him here. But his art doesn't look anything like what he draws now. Which makes it right? easy to think maybe there's two Travis Moores. But I think it's the same guy. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, this issue doesn't have much to do with our worlds at war. Basically, what, what it accomplishes for Phil... Jimenez's run is uh, establishing Vanessa Capitalis as the new Silver Swan, which is a big uh, thing that happened in that run. And then is also, that, is that what we talked about? Like, in is that who was in the Steve Orlando yes. Wonder Woman stuff that you talked about? Is that mm-hmm. this is that? This is that. Yep. Okay. And also a big that's sh- wild. Vanessa's a big part of uh, War of the Gods. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yep. She's a big part of um I mean she she is a big part of uh George Perez's run throughout like like from the beginning to the end. But then like her becoming a villain, becoming the Silver Swan is like the big thing that that happened, you know, a decade later or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um longer than that. Um yeah, so anyway, that, that takes place in this issue. Uh, a male cheetah is introduced in this. Perhaps we call uh, it Cheeto? <laughs> nah, he's in the White House. Oh! Oh! I set him up, you knock him down. Food. There's a snack food in the White House, Brian. How can this be? From a snack uh, to a snack food. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyway, Circe Cer- basically uh, shows up 75% of the way through this issue and says like, uh, you'll be seeing these people later, but right now we got to do our tie in shit. So she like whisks the villains away, uh, to basically tells her that Imperiex is coming and that they're, they're bailing for now on, on the fight between them and Diana. Um, and then the final page is Martian Manhunter calling Diana to come face this emergent threat. Um, Really, not much to do with our worlds at war in this one, but but you guys are right when you say that it's it's a more substantial issue than the Supergirl one, certainly. Um, and just the Phil Jimenez run of Wonder Woman is 
pretty good. So, like, as part of that run, too, it's vaguely important. So, it's a worthwhile issue, just maybe not not for this. Yeah, not super great as a tie-in. All I could think about was, uh, when reading this, was... um, when we were talking about the Phil Jimenez Superwoman run, uh, how much we enjoyed that and like how good the art was, but just how wordy it always was and yeah. just the amount of words on the page. And I definitely, definitely got flashbacks to that in that restaurant scene. Um, yeah. um yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Good call. All right. So, we on to our last book then we are okay this is the superman our worlds at war secret files and origins i have no idea why they felt they needed to do a secret files and origins <laughs> book on this it was but, the time. um it was the time it was the thing to do i guess so just briefly explaining what's in this one um you see a story where uh, Imperiex is going around destroying worlds and creating these black holes, um, which we've seen in previous issues. And you've, we learned from Maxima that like he destroyed her planet. Um, and so that's one story. Uh, you also see a story where um, Superman and Mongol... Uh, defeat an Imperiex Pro, or I don't know. Do you see it, or do they just explain it? They kind uh, of you see, you it, see right? it. You, no, you see it. You see it. You see them. Well, wait. Yes. No. You do. So wait. So that is alluded to in another That's issue. Right. That's right. That's what see, Yes. Okay. Okay. So we see Superman fighting a probe in this issue, but I don't actually know if we even see Mongol in it. Um, no, I don't, I don't think you do, but, um, oh, you do breathe. Yeah, you do. You see one issue. You see one uh, panel of them both punching. Okay. Okay. I guess I just missed that. Um, um, but the point is, is that like at this point they thought it was Imperiex, but really it was just one of the Imperiex probes. Um, yes. yeah. So, so there's that. And then you see a story about uh, Waller and Director Bones from the DEO kind of preparing for the oncoming invasion. So you see that aforementioned uh, Suicide Squad team with Shrapnel and Chemo, et cetera. Ben just definitely read this for sure. Ben, see, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> this, is, this is where he got all of his. He said to himself, nobody ever talks about our worlds at war. Nobody will notice if I'm cribbing all this stuff from it. Um. um you, you forgot to mention, and I, I think you did, unless you mentioned it and I wasn't paying attention, that the, the first story has the very annoying, uh, I guess, like, gimmick of having the Genesis creation story run backwards. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Na- nauseating. That, yeah. That, that is some Marv Wolfman bullshit right there. <laughs> Yeah, no, it I, also just doesn't make any sense, really. It makes zero uh, sense. <laughs> um, because the story, I don't think, was even being told in reverse. That, that would have been one thing if the story was being ter- told in reverse chronology. But I don't think it was. I, I don't know. I guess 
I guess it kind of made sense a little bit with like Imperiax being like this universe destroyer, yeah, well, almost like the anti-creator. That's what I was gonna know? say. Like it's, it's telling a story of creation while he's about to destroy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I get. Yeah, it's, it's that annoying. I guess you know. I don't know. I think it's annoying. I agree. Um, then we see a story about the uh, this General Zod character. Um, real name Aruskin who assumes the name uh, General Zod and, and ends up taking over Pakalistan. Um, they call him I Zed to... a few times. Zed, yeah. So I I did not read the text along the bottom. I was just about to admit that there was no way I was going to read that like weird cursive. <laughs> then where did you get that he was... I must have missed that. Was that on like one of the profile pages that his real name was... Oh, I, re- I read a Wikipedia article instead of reading this, uh, <laughs> this text at the bottom. I wasn't going to read the cursive. I wasn't going to uh, Yeah, it. <laughs> it was. I couldn't do it either. Um, the only thing that made this bearable for me was I kept thinking that because his name is Zed, that he was uh, Bob Cat Goldthwait's character from Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> do the impression. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Not very good. I've done, I've done better Bob Cats before. That's fine. It's, it's good. It, it's good enough for our show. Yeah. Um, and then the oh, the one thing I did like, and yeah, so I didn't read the text along the bottom. The one thing I really liked about this is the, the art was very weird in the in the Zod story. Yes. Who did the art for that? Um, oh, I had um, it pulled up before. Hang on. Alberto Saichan or Saikon or something. Mm-hmm. Joe Kelly wrote it. Um, yeah, I just love how weird it is. At one point, um, you see these, like, you see this, like, I don't know, I guess he's a police officer because he's got, like, the badge on his hat. But he gets, like, he gets, like, screamed at, and then his, like, face, like, turns to, like, a, a weird, bloody, disgusting mess. And it, the art is just so weird in this section, um, that I found that aspect of it a little enjoyable, but it was very like, um, I don't know, very like European style art rather than rather than what we've been getting. Yeah, so I can far. see that. Um, so that was fun, and then and then this uh, final story was kind of like a documentary, sort of about. Like the JSA or the early superheroes fighting alongside the troops, um, to show that you know when there is war, the metahumans generally ally with the troops to help. Um, but that gets cut off at the end. Like uh, the documentary gets cut off by whatever happened in Kansas. So it's like it broadcast gets interrupted. Am I the only one that thinks that if the JSA and the troops got together and put together a football team, sorry, <laughs> it could dominate the NFL? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you're yeah. probably right. Uh. Oh man! So and that's where we leave it off. That's the prelude to our worlds at war. Um, on the whole, I I don't know about you guys, but like. I don't know. I think it's easy to see why this event so far, 
so far, we're only a third of the way through it, isn't talked about that much because nothing, happens in it. nothing really happens so far. And yet at the same time, I would say there was more good than bad and some I, meh. This would be so much tighter, I think, if it was like just the Superman issues and maybe like the Our Worlds at War one shots yeah i think if we had just read that it would have felt much more interesting and much more like an actual prelude yeah i think you're right and i think even if even if you took those our worlds at war one shots condensed them and put them into like a one like 80 page giant absolutely like yeah. like, yep. like the like the count like you know countdown to infinite crisis or whatever yep. yeah yeah yeah, if you just had like our worlds at war number one or something. Yeah. 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 Imagine, imagine like the 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 Kyle Rayner bit being like a ten page. Excerpt. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think yeah. So far, I'm not not enjoying the event. But you can you can kind of see how bloated it is already. Yeah, this will be a pretty easy event to prune, and it seems like that should... Well, actually, Zach, what was in the trade you bought for this? Everything. The whole event? Mm-hmm. All 30-something issues? I'm almost positive, yeah. Wow, okay. Um, I was going to say maybe it was already pruned for the trade. I can check really quick. Let's see. I don't have it with me, but I, I can find it. I'm pretty sure it was everything, though. Um, wow. We can add the silence out if we need to. See, it's funny. There were there were they did it the way, you know, that they used to where there were two sing like uh, two volumes that were split in half. And then later they released a. Um, complete version um thank god okay here we go so no it didn't have everything or maybe it did okay so it was superman three issues of superman three issues of adventures of superman three man of steel three action comics supergirl wonder two issues of wonder woman one issue of young justice one impulse, one Superboy. Weirdly, it looks like it only had the JLA Our Worlds at War and the World's Finest Our Worlds at War. That doesn't seem right. I I don't know. That that would seem really weird to me if they cut out all of the if you cut out those issues as opposed to some of those other tie in issues. I don't know. This may not be right. I mean, I guess you could argue like the Supergirl and the Superboy issues are are pointless, but they're part of the Super family, so maybe you keep them there. Whereas like the Batman one, as much as I enjoyed it, wasn't didn't keep with the Super family feel. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Okay. No. Yeah. I think that is actually right. Yeah, because I found the official listing. Um, yeah, so it just cut out a lot of those Our Worlds at War issues. It looks like the only ones that it had were 
JLA and World's Finest. It had everything else. Hmm. All right. Weird, wild stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I am interested to get more into the book to see what it actually is, to, to get a gauge on this actual event. And uh, we'll see from there. But anyway, until then, if you have to get in touch with two-thirds of us, I am on Twitter at Brian Needs an App. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to get in touch with Vince, he unfortunately can't come to the phone right now. He's playing with his food, making his own tofu men. <laughs> that's actually not far off. I know. That's why I said it. That's, that's, why I, that's really good. It's a good goof this week. Yeah, you're good at this. I'm not, but thank you. Have a good week, everybody. Back next week with our Worlds at War Part 2. Bye. Send you the recipe. You're sending a meatball recipe to an Italian. <laughs> just just, just know that going well, there. You may want to start with not, a non-meatball. They're not, Italian. they're not Italian meatballs. Then they're not they meatballs. Are... <laughs> okay, fuck you. <laughs> <I'm> just... uh... <laughs> There's the stinger.